Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks for listening to the Best of Heard Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Monday, fresh off vacay, live in Los Angeles, a colder, chillier Los Angeles. What happened? It's the hurt. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, and FS1. J-Mac, I leave for a week and we live in Juno. It is, there's snow everywhere. Uh, I had a friend that sent me a picture of Pasadena and there was snow on the mountain behind his house. It's like 2,000 feet. I'm like... Wow, but how was your vacation? Oh, incredible. Uh, one of the best I've ever had. Not just the vacation, but the whole week just kind of being off the show. We missed nothing in sports. We left our ski trip early because where we were here in California, they were getting feet of snow. We know friends who got stuck. Disastrous weekend, but uh, we were back in time. Great to have time off. Yeah, I was in Florida. So uh, <laughs> pity you fools who weren't. Yes, <laughs> it was great. Indeed. Uh, all right, so we're getting to that time. Um Draft talk time, I, I noticed a lot of that when I was gone. I'll get to the Lakers story in a second. But there's a report now from Adam Schefter. Um, the Chicago Bears are leaning toward uh, trading the number one pick. So my rule has always been, if you have the number one pick, uh, you're not very good. So you should always trade it unless there's a Peyton Manning, a Trevor Lawrence, an Andrew Luck, or like one of these you know, transformational guys, John Elway, what, whatever it is, that it's a can't miss. And you get about one of those a decade maybe two. I would always trade down because if you're drafted number one, historically, you're a bad team with five or six major holes. Um, and two things can also be true. I know the internet leads you to believe this isn't the case, but two things can be true. If Caleb Williams of USC was available in this draft, the Bears would move off Justin Fields. They would. If there was an A++ prospect, you would move off Justin Fields. And the second thing is there isn't. So you're probably best served. They like Justin Fields. He's a big kid. He's got an arm. He's athletic. He's not good at the passing thing yet. And some of the quarterbacks who have come into this league that, that, that struggle with the passing thing, Josh Allen, take longer. The two best quarterbacks in the league, Joe Burrow and Mahomes, never struggle with the passing thing. 
Lamar Jackson can. Josh Allen can. The passing thing matters. And right now, he's not great at it. But the Bears' best plan is probably to trade down multiple times. Not once, but multiple times. You go to a Houston with a second pick or Indy with a fourth pick. They need a quarterback. You make a trade. All right? So you go to the Texans, you go to the Colts. And then you're at number four. Let's say you do it with the Colts. And then you get closer to the draft and somebody didn't get Derek Carr or somebody didn't get Jimmy Garoppolo because there's going to be a lot of teams. The Jets need a quarterback and the Raiders need one and the Panthers need one and the Saints need one and the Colts need one and the Falcons need one. And they're not all going to get Derek Carr and they're not all going to get Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron's probably staying in Green Bay. So you trade down one time and you go to four to the Colts. And then you trade down a second time and you call the Raiders or the Falcons and you get more picks. And that's the way you manipulate the draft, which Chicago historically hasn't done. Miami did it a few years ago. was very smart. You trade multiple times. You don't go for the bag with one team because GMs get very reluctant. The billionaire owners hovering over. You don't want to act like you're taken. So you do a small trade here and a small trade there. And you wake up and the Bears already have two fifth picks. And then you'd have two seconds and two thirds and maybe a second one. And you can rebuild your team. Because that defensive end from Alabama or that defensive tackle from Georgia or another defensive end from Clemson is not winning you games. They are not worth a half a point. You take out quarterbacks in this league, they are not worth a point. They had Khalil Mack forever. What did it matter? Okay? By the way, many of the best cornerbacks in the league, Sauce Gardner, they couldn't score touchdowns. Patrick Sertan, they couldn't score touchdowns. Many of the best corners, Jalen Ramsey, team fell apart offensively. So it's a quarterback league. We all know that. And if there's not a great quarterback and you have the number one pick, there's two great quarterbacks, I think, next year, two A++. These guys aren't. And everybody can talk about Bryce Young. Bryce Young played in warm Southern California in high school and warm Alabama in college. He's 5'11 and a half, maybe six feet. I doubt it, and 192 pounds. So he's a way short and way light, and it's Chicago, and it's cold, and it's windy. And even Justin Fields, who's a big, strong, mobile athlete, he doesn't like the cold. If you go look at the history of the NFL and northern teams, Aaron Rodgers, big arm, Brett Favre, big arm, Jake Cutler, big arm, Joe Flacco, big arm, Big Ben, big arm, most northern quarterback, Terry Bradshaw, big arm. Go look at the history of northern teams. You guys usually have a big arm. Small guys don't work. Remember, Sean Payton was talking about Tua on this show about a month ago. And if you got a top 10 pick, you do not take a player who's a little short and a little light. Let's do this. Let's not draft small players in the first 15 picks of the draft anymore in the first round. Let's not, let's not get away from prototype. And I talked with Bill Parcells about this, Ron Wolf, and, and those early picks have to be prototype players. You have to pay attention to typing and, and when you're looking at the health of players and you're looking at the size of players. Baker Mayfield, a little small, didn't work out. You can go look at Tua. When you're drafting at the top of this board in the first round the Bears have, you're not going to roll the dice in a quarterback that's two and a half inches short and 20 pounds light, even if he was great in warm weather California and warm weather Alabama. You're not. There's a quarterback, I think, I'll get to that later. I think if I was Chicago, I would consider, but he's not an A++ prospect. He comes with some things that concern me a little bit. 
trade down. If there's not an Elway or there's not an Andrew Luck or Trevor Lawrence, trade down. Story this morning, they're considering it, leaning. How about lean all the way in and jump into that pool? All right. The Lakers won yesterday. I was flying back from Florida, so I watched the whole game. And, you know, Delta's got those little TVs. They're just fans. So I watched the Jake Paul fight on my little phone. It's fantastic. Worth every penny. <laughs> and I watched the Lakers Mavericks. And so let's start this topic with glass half full, Colin. Optimistic Uncle Colin. The Lakers at the trade deadline had four issues. Three of the four, here's the good news. Westbrook's toxicity. He's out. Clippers problem. Didn't have enough shooters. They've upgraded. Overall length and depth on the wing. They've upgraded. That is glass half full Colin. And let's get to realistic Colin. The fourth issue is LeBron is old and 80s always hurt. And even though Jared Vanderbilt was masterful and the Mavericks got their own issues and they got a lot of them. My lasting image from yesterday's W is LeBron in the tunnel limping out of it. You give me, in the last two, three years, a three-week period when I didn't see this. The Lakers got a very nice coat of paint on their car during the trading deadline. But this puppy has 286,000 miles on it. That, sorry to break your heart. But Colin, you love the Warriors. They have Steve Kerr. Steph's coming back and a winning culture and the best coach in the game. This is an organization... The two best players, one is injury prone, and so is the other, and really old. And happiness is connected to expectations. And having LeBron for about a 10, 12-year period was a guaranteed trip to the finals. Now having LeBron is cross your fingers on his health, and he should be able to, should, get you into the playoffs. And I do think the Lakers have added shooting and depth, a nice coat of paint, they can beat you more ways. I thought yesterday was a nice W. They got off to a terrible start, mostly because the Mavericks couldn't miss and the Lakers couldn't shoot. And Vanderbilt has been outstanding. He gives them size and length. It's a smaller league. And if you're a 6'9 guy that runs the floor, you can get a lot of points, and he did. And AD, when he's healthy, is a monster, and LeBron is still something that has to be reckoned with. But this car, that cone of paint, doesn't change things. To get to the next level, a championship level, you'll have to move off AD. So it's another cross-your-fingers moment. This was a nice win. It was a nice win, right? But Dallas is a bit of a mess. The West is fairly wide open, but not as wide open as we probably think. And that lasting image for me is LeBron limping out of the tunnel. If you think I'm wrong, you give me the last three-week stretch with this team where LeBron or AD wasn't limping out of the tunnel, writhing in pain on the floor, or had to leave the game early. Two-week period. Go. I'll wait for your answer on the, off the air. Okay? It's just the reality of what we have. It's the reality of what this team is. But the good news, glass half full Colin, is they did a very good job at the trade deadline to add pieces that allow them to win games like this when they don't play great they can, they can win more ways than they could three weeks ago. They're now 4-1 and one since they've made these moves. 4-1's and one's good. I think they'll make it as a six seed. Maybe play in. Here's LeBron after. 
Well, I think the game um, will dictate what we need to do tonight offensively from the, from the exterior. We, we wasn't not shooting the ball extremely well, so we have the ability to now look at ways we can be good. Okay, if we can't shoot it well, you know, we need to still get the ball popping, but we need to drive those closeouts. We need to, you know, get the ball in the paint. You know, we need to get offensive rebounds when we're not shooting well. So, you know, to be able to have that ability to be able to say, okay, if we're not shooting well, we can still be in the game. We can still be productive. Uh, that's the key for our ball club. Absolutely. Watched every shot of it. I thought it was over uh, beginning of the second quarter. They kept chipping away. They play now with more depth and passion. Vanderbilt's excellent. Uh, D'Angelo Russell wasn't around. They weren't fully stacked, and they won. It's on the road. It feels good. I'm not saying it doesn't. But once again, we got one of our two stars limping out of the tunnel. That is the reality of what this is. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For the next several weeks, here are the big stories. Got about 20, 25 games left in the NBA. Here comes the final home stretch. Uh, we have March Madness. Should be great. There's no dominant team. It's going to be a lot of upsets in college basketball. And over the next several weeks, NFL free agency. And the league is much more willing to make trades than they were 10, 15 years ago. And it's a lot of fun. So during my week off, I mostly stayed off the phone. But occasionally I would peek and they, I could see we start talking about these college quarterbacks. And one of them is taking a majority of the criticism. And I think he's a fascinating kid. Um, his name is Will Levis at Kentucky. So let's, let's talk about precedent. Let's talk about precedent. What do I mean? Let's talk about stuff that matters we know for quarterbacks. So brain power 
His mom went to Yale, his grandfather to Cornell. Highly educated Northeast kid. Brain power, A+. Four-point finance major. Cognitively, kid's as smart as anybody in this draft, any player. Not saying he's the smartest, but he's up there. Arm strength. It's all over the internet. The kid has a hose. He's got, he's got a rocket arm. Brain power and arm strength. Doesn't mean everything, but they matter. There's also a third component. He's been doubted. He had to transfer from Penn State. Joe Burrow had to transfer. Brady was doubted. Aaron Rodgers Jr. College doubted. Kyler Murray doubted. That is a component that we, Miami of Ohio, not Ohio State, took Big Ben. Players that are doubted get a chip on their shoulder. We've seen it before, and we'll see it again. So those three components, big brain, big arm, and he's been doubted, so he's not cocky. He had nothing handed to him. I like all those. But let me offer a fourth. Two-thirds of the star quarterbacks in this league, starting quarterbacks, did not go to traditional powers. So Joe Burrow did when he transferred. Mac Jones and Tua did at Alabama. Kyler Murray did and Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Had to transfer, but they did. Uh, Matt Stafford, Georgia. Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Clemson. Justin Herbert, Oregon. And Justin Fields, Ohio State. Some of those guys are struggling. Some are starring. Whatevs. About 10 guys went big boy college football. Two-thirds didn't. What does that mean? It means they didn't have great players around him. Will Levis did not have a single first or second team all-conference player in offense. Translation, the receivers aren't as open. You're under duress. You're getting the crap kicked out of you. Translation, a real NFL experience. Even, even Patrick Mahomes, they rebuilt his offensive line this year. Guys were less open. Year before, they rebuilt his offensive line. Year before that, they rebuilt his defense. That is for a great franchise. Philadelphia was bizarrely stacked, and even at the end of the year, we found out their defense was overrated. So I'm going to give you two players I want you to consider. The best college football in the country has been for 20 years in the South. Let me give you two quarterbacks who played college football in the South for non-power teams. Not at Bama, not at Georgia, not at Clemson. Not an LSU. A non-meaning... These quarterbacks were getting the crap kicked out of them. They didn't have first-round receivers. They didn't have great protection. The two quarterbacks are Eli Manning at Ole Miss and Phillip Rivers at NC State. Compare them to Will Levis at Kentucky, a basketball school. Completion percentage, Will Levis is the highest of the three. Winning percentage, Will Levis, the highest of the three. Touchdown-to-interception ratio, Will Levis in line with Eli Manning. Brain power, arm, doubted, playing at a basketball school in the talent-rich South. This is what the numbers look like. 24 starts, he won 17. 66% completion percentage. He did not have a single offensive player that made first or second team all-conference. Touchdown-to-interception ratio, threw some picks. Four of them were tipped. Six were catchable balls. Folks, look at what works in this sport. Arm, brain, doubted. Don't get caught up on, well, he threw a lot of interceptions. So did Josh Allen. It's the quarterback we doubt. Does he have, does he have a wow factor? Yeah, his grandparents and his mom went to Yale. Wow. 
He's got a rocket arm. Wow. Is there a wow factor? But everybody's picking on him. He's not this. He's not this. He's not this. All I see with Will Levis is box checked, box checked, box checked. He was doubted. Big brain, big arm. Yeah, you play at Kentucky against – you are going to have the second best player if you play Georgia, LSU, Florida, Bama, even some – most of the time, Auburn's more of a football school than a basketball school. So the Will Levis – I've had two NFL people tell me – I was texting. When you're sitting on the beach for five days, you have time to text. I text two NFL executives about my theory about Will Levis. Both said, spot on. Inside the league, a lot of people like this kid. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. When I was a kid, my favorite sportscaster was Howard Cosell. He was this irascible, cranky sort of academic guy, and he was outspoken. He talked about social issues. Uh, people would, you know, he was, he was the first sort of uh, uh, the kind of guy that got people. There was a sports writer in New York called Dick Young. There was Howard Cosell. It was these kind of powerful figures that really cut everybody in half. You loved him or you hated him, and I loved Cosell and and when when Ali and Frazier ruled the boxing world, my dad uh, was was I think more Frazier. I was more Ali. Ali pushed back on society. He pushed back on culture. And Howard Cosell loved Muhammad Ali, and he kind of bridged the relationship. I thought it was fascinating. So my early youth, as I'm watching like Wide World of Sports on ABC, I have this lasting memory of Ali. And remember. Boxing is different, and UFC is different. These are pay-per-view sports that you drive. That's why Don King and Bob Arum ran the sport uh, for years and years out of college. I'm in Vegas. Uh, you know, you had to drive. You'd have stunts happen at the press conference. You were trying to drive pay-per-view numbers. That's why fights often start late on a Saturday night or a Friday night or a Sunday night as they're driving pay-per-view numbers and waiting to hit a certain barrier. Then they let the champs come out, enter the ring. It's just the circus of boxing. I saw it with Conor McGregor. He's a marketing genius. I saw it with Ali. I saw it with an old George Foreman. He was selling a grill and he was selling tickets. I get it. I'm comfortable with it. I've lived around it. I've covered it. And that's why I like the story of Jake Paul. He's a celebrity. He's a great YouTube boxer. And I liked his story. I liked his work ethic. He's a good kid. He's a tough kid. But he had fought a bunch of, you know, old athletes and retired MMA guys. So this was his first fight against like a real boxer. Now, Tommy Fury is not good. He's not very nimble or athletic. Uh, of course, there's Tyson Fury, the two-time champ. Uh, you know, Tommy is uh, more model than boxer, lower end, doesn't move particularly well. If he was a defensive end in football, he would be considered like a six-round edge because he's too stiff. Uh, but it was a real boxer of size that could hurt Jake Paul. So they fought, and I watched every second of it. And my takeaway is, okay, I, I've, I've seen enough. The story is better than the reality. Uh, Tommy Fury was more refined, more polished, dominated. Now, now Jake Paul uh, can swing and can land a big punch and knock Fury down for about half a second. But um, Tommy Fury landed more power punches than uh, Jake Paul landed total punches. And Tommy Fury looked like a very marginally talented real boxer. Uh, Jake Paul had maybe the, the best single punch, but I had it scored in eight rounds, six to two or seven to one, Tommy Fury. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't think it was particularly close, but it reminds me of years and years ago, I was at a casino in Connecticut 
and I forget which one, uh, we were there, my wife and I, and there was a Doors knockoff band. So I loved the Doors when I was growing up, Jim Morrison, the Doors. Uh, Come on, baby, light my fire, all that stuff. Jim Morrison, legend, uh, the bathtub, life ended too early, blah, blah, blah. It's a great movie, by the way. Uh, So anyway, I love the Doors, and I saw a knockoff band, and they were fantastic. But I would never travel around the country watching a cover band or a knockoff band. You would do that with the Grateful Dead or U2 or, uh, you know, I had friends do that for Stone Temple Pilots or Pearl Jam or you travel around the country, uh, you and your buddies, you and your wife, you and your friends. That's the real thing. But you don't you don't follow a cover band mostly around the country. And I kind of feel like Jake Paul's a cover band, which is he's a celebrity and he works hard and he's a tough kid and he would beat me up. Uh, but when you put him against a boxer, not even a good boxer, there was a, there was a gap in ability and a gap in natural talent. And Jake Paul's story was terrific. I defend it. I get the marketing of it. It's a pay-per-view sport. And the kid made a fortune. He's worth a gazillion dollars. I love Conor McGregor's story. I loved Ali, the old George Foreman. I get it. I like it. I embrace it. Boxing purists and boxing historians, just like baseball seam heads, tend to forget that there's mostly casual fans following all these sports. And Jake Paul got me to buy once again for 44 bucks or 49 bucks from ESPN Plus, got me to buy it. I also buy UFC cards five or six times a year, but I was buying this kid's cards. But it's a cover band. Like when you put him up against a really unathletic, limited heavyweight, he wasn't as polished. Maybe he gets better, but he started this game late anyway, right? Like like he, he started late to begin with. He's not going to make several jump in classes. If he was a baseball player, he'd be Adam Dunn. Not a lot of singles and doubles, swing for the fence, a lot of strikeouts, but big time power. It was a great story, but I, I'm not going to buy Jake Paul. I, I, I don't want to see a rematch. I've seen it. I've done it. It's the cover band, the knockoff band. It's fun. It can be a good night. It can be a good watch. But there you go. Here was Jake Paul after the fight on, on coming up short to Tommy Fury. Good fight. Good, good war. You know, tough kid. I didn't have my best performance. All fair play to Tommy. He won fair and square. And that's boxing, man. You, you got to take it on the chin, but it, it was good. Some good moments in there. I just really couldn't get my game plan working. Um, but hey, man, th- this is what the sport's all about. You, you win some in glorious fashion and you lose some. Um, and like I said out there, judging about my losses because I'll be back. All right. Uh, I won't be paying for it, but it's okay. I did. I bought three or four fights. I like the kid. I like the story. Uh, I think his best avenue would be to fight old MMA guys and retired pro football players. That's fascinating to me. You know, you take a football player who's played, made a couple pro bowls, retires, wants to fight. That stuff's interesting. But against real boxers and real heavyweights, he started too late. He's absolutely limited. Tommy Fury's jab completely efficiently controlled the fight. I had it 6-2, could have been 7-1. to one. It's okay. I respect the kid. Marketing doesn't turn me off. It's pay-per-view. I grew up with it. I've seen it. I get it. Ali was the mass. I've said this before. If Ali was alive today in his prime, we would all love boxing. He would be Tiger Woods to golf. We would start watching a sport all the time.
This is Steve Cavino and Rich Davis, and together we are Cavino and Rich. Cavino and Rich. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's right, Cavino and Rich, Fox Sports Radio's newest hit show, heard weekdays from five to seven Eastern, two to four Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Every Covino and Rich show is available as a podcast. Just search Covino and Rich wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. I'm such a rockin' dude. The show features our unique take on sports, injected with some fun, humor, and relatability. Listen to Covino and Rich five days a week on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Covino and Rich, give me a hell yeah! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Colin right, Colin wrong on a Monday. Here we go. Where Colin was right. Well, I said the day after the Lakers made the big trades, I said they'll be a playoff team just by eliminating Russell Westbrook. They'll be a better shooting team and a better passing team and a better defensive team, and they're 4-1 since the move. Jared Vanderbilt's been shockingly good, at least shocking to me. Anthony Davis has remained healthy. I still worry about AD and LeBron's health, but they've got more ways to beat you uh, D'Angelo Russell, Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. It's a decent roster. It feels like if LeBron and AD are healthy, a team that could absolutely not only make the playoffs as a sixth seed, but could win a playoff series. A second? I don't know. But a, a playoff series, they look exactly like we thought they would. Where Colin was wrong. This Lamar Jackson situation gets worse by the week. I think they're headed for a divorce now. I don't know how you give up on a quarterback that wins 74% of his games in a division with Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, and Kenny Pickett looks like he can play. But I thought it would be an automatic. The stories continue to leak. It could be Miami. 
I don't know. He's got a lot of wow. I've always thought he throws it better than people think. He's the best running quarterback in the league. He's a team guy. Uh, they weren't very good when he didn't play. I I think I missed on this one. J-Mac was way ahead of it, but I think they're headed for a divorce. Where Colin was right. Mac Jones is not the problem, according to Tom Curran. Robert Kraft is a huge fan and does not blame Mac Jones' regression on Mac Jones. I'll say it again. He's got a ceiling. But in the get the ball, throw the ball accurately to an open place, he's very good. And his rookie numbers were excellent. They really were if you go back and look at them. But the organization has been tone deaf on the offensive side. I think Mac Jones bounces back, but I said it during the season. Their issue is not a Mac Jones problem. It's an organizational problem and a lack of sensibility to the offense. Where Colin was wrong. Jake Paul lost. I watched two Tommy Fury videotapes and thought he was awful, but he was better than Jake Paul. He just used the jab effectively, landed it for 40 minutes, uh, and controlled the fight. Jake Paul had the best single punch of the fight, but overall, Tommy Fury, a very, very average heavyweight, kind of stiff, not that athletic, one going away. I didn't think it was particularly close. Where Colin was right. I said Kyrie Irving would make the Mavericks interesting, but not necessarily great, and that's what happened. They're 3-3 three and three since that deal. The bottom line is Luka and Kyrie are both egregiously bad defenders. It's why a source told me two weeks ago they would love in the offseason to make a deal for AD. They don't have a rim protector. They don't have enough size. You know, a lot of players in this league are interesting, but when you cut, you can argue the two stars in this league that just don't make much of an effort on the defensive end are Luka and Kyrie Irving. I think they're fun to watch. I think they could win a playoff series. I, Kyrie's one of the great small finishers in the history of the sport, but they've kind of, you know, they're three and three, and there's they're a little immature. They don't have depth. Uh, they're, they're, at this point, Mark Cuban's face told the story yesterday. They're nothing more than talented at this point. That's it. They're talented. Where Colin was wrong. The Denver Nuggets. I don't trust them, but they remain, once again this week, the hottest team in the West. They've won seven of their last ten. And I'll say this for them. Uh, Nicole Jokic is going to win his third-straight MVP. Uh, between Jamal Murray, they've got depth. Um, I, 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 They're an organization that I don't trust in a big series against a more veteran team like the Clippers or the Warriors. But the West has a lot of good young teams. Memphis, they don't have a lot of playoff experience. Denver doesn't have a playoff experience. KD, by the way, is brand new to the Suns. Uh, so I think that the West is wide open. They maintained for the last several months their number one in the West, and they remain the hottest team in the West. Where Colin was right. Said it three weeks ago, said it two weeks ago, said it a week ago. The Rams are going to move off Jalen Ramsey, and now the stories are flying that they're moving him. They're going to move him eventually because they have to. I've been told the organization has made a decision they're going to go all in on offense for the next six months. They're going to go all in on offense in the draft, free agency. They just moved off Bobby Wagner. Uh, they've got some defensive holes, but they can probably get a first and a fourth or a couple of seconds or a first and a fifth for Jalen Ramsey. And they're going to give Sean McVay, who contemplated retirement, they're going to shore up his offensive line. They're going to get him another receiver. They'd like to get, move off Cam Akers and get him another running back. So I've been told inside the organization, McVay is going to get some offensive help, and uh, they're not going to be as good defensively. But that's the that's and and for the record, Jalen Ramsey's a terrific player. Two years ago, he had one of the best seasons ever for a corner. He was fantastic. I think he's a big play corner that takes too many risks. 
but he's a top five corner in the league. Where Colin was right. Sometimes you got to take people by the hand. They're reticent to change, and that's Major League Baseball. But they've made multiple changes this season, and so far they're all working. They have implemented a pitch clock. Uh, it is shaving 20 minutes off spring training games. It just so happens I sat next to a minor league general manager, a baseball general manager from Detroit yesterday, and he said his league has been using this for two years, and it absolutely cuts 15 to 20 minutes off games. They're going to move off the defensive shift, which I always hated. That'll mean more stolen bases, more base runners, more power hitters hitting it in the alley and getting hits. The sport needs to be quicker. They're all on their phones now. People want activity. They want shortened games. They don't have four hours. And the bottom line is baseball, <laughs> kicking and screaming, had to be pulled into changes. But so far in spring training, they're making the game easier to consume. The games are now 240, not 305. And it's good. It's all good. Some people do not like change and are going to fight it tooth and nail. And those people in America are called baseball fans. So sometimes you just have to pull them in, and it's a sport that loves its history, is sometimes paralyzed by it. But, you know, I, I know when you're a 20-year-old, you don't have kids, you're not married, you don't have a career, you have more of a job, you have all day to watch baseball. But tickets are expensive, you're trying to get parents, they don't want to sit in a stadium for three and a half hours, they want to go watch six innings, have a beer, get home early, can't have three and a half hour games, especially for a season that has too many games, you don't want the games to be long. Football's different. It's once a week. It's a party. You tailgate. You sit next to the same people for 20 years. A game goes four hours. You give your Sunday up for it. Nobody wants to give their Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday up for three and a half hour games, right? When the season's already too long, you don't want the games to be too long. If you had one game a week in baseball, nobody would care. You got six. Time matters. All right. Even, even I, you know, I got gray hair. And it, it's too slow for me. Forget, get, forget J-Mac. <laughs> Guy's got no time for it. Want more Herd? The Herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search Herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. It's always a good day when our friend Mark Medina has been covering the NBA for a long time. Cover the Lakers, USA Today. And he, he graces us with his presence a couple of times a year. I had no idea that J-Mac and you had a relationship here. So you guys, you've been going on his uh, straight fire with McIntyre pod for years? Yeah. I mean, I think it all traces back to being able to talk coops with you. And then it's the trickle-down effect of yeah. everyone else. It's like, it's like Reagan's economy. It's just the trickle-down <laughs> effect. Okay. So I, I was saying this. My lasting image of yesterday's Laker win is LeBron in the tunnel limping. And I challenge the audience, find me a three-week period in the last three years when AD or LeBron isn't in the tunnel limping, on the floor writhing in pain, or has to leave a game early. That said, they do feel like a sixth seed to me. Mm -hmm. I think they're a playoff team now. Yeah. That's what they look like to me. Yeah, I think they're a playoff team. Now, look, I know Laker fans and LeBron certainly won in championships. I don't think that's realistic, but... When you think about the beginning of the season, just how turbulent it was with oh. Russell Westbrook, and every game was a challenge, and they would blow leads, this is philosophically a much different team. No doubt it still starts with LeBron and AD, how healthy they can be, but you look at all the positional needs they fulfilled with this Russell Westbrook trade, with getting D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley. Now the shooting's a little bit better. Now you have guys like Jaron Vanderbilt and Mo Bamba. Now the defense is a little bit better. AD has some reinforcements. That's and right. so 
I think the, obviously the bigger concern, hey, how how is LeBron's foot? He was limping after the game, but you have to give him credit that he was gutting out the rest That's of that right. game. AD, you just never know with him, but when healthy, he has been his most dominant self, almost like the bubble this season. Yeah. So there is that scenario of getting into the sixth seed, but much like the Western Conference landscape, the Lakers season, it's so up in the air and fluid day-to-day, but much more optimistic than pre-trade deadline. So we, we, this, you, I watched the Mavericks yesterday, and, and Mark Cuban, I, you watched the meme of his face. <laughs> My takeaway was they were good early because they hit threes. They weren't as good late because they missed threes. It's a limited team. And I, and I said early that Luka and Kyrie are interesting. I don't think... Um, neither plays defense, and if you go to the finals last year, Boston was the number one defensive team. When Draymond played last year in the regular season, Golden State was the best defense since Duncan, I think, statistically. So nobody talks about defense, but Milwaukee plays it. Boston plays it. Warriors play it. Clippers play it. I just don't think Dallas can compete at a high level but I think they're a fun watch. Yeah, without a doubt. Sacramento's a little like that. Yeah, I think Sacramento's a much better team than the Mavericks. But look, with Dallas, I think that they made the right move getting Kyrie Irving because of the context of that season. It's been Luka Doncic, and even with a relatively improved supporting cast with good role players, there's not that definitive star. I think Kyrie and Luka will continue to grow their chemistry, and I think for all the question marks about them as far as how they coexist with players, I think that pairing's good. The problem is they don't have other reinforcements, partly because of that trade, but even before Kyrie Irving's trade deadline, they didn't have a lot of good defenders. And so while there are things that leave me pessimistic about their run when it comes to Kyrie's unpredictability and whether he's a long-term fit, as well as the rest of the roster itself. I think that from a pragmatic lens, this is a move to show, hey, Luca, we're committed to you in going all in, but it's also a bridge to the offseason because that's when the crossroads hits of, hey, do we really want to commit to Kyrie long-term? If not, we have this cap space to try to get a better roster. Let me, let me go two more Western stories, then we'll move over to talk Nick Celtics tonight, because I do think it's one of those half a dozen NBA regular season games that I really, really want to you know watch. So the Warriors are fascinating. You know them very well. Uh, they transition to small ball before the rest of the league. So there's not a lot of size. Wiggins has been out for personal reasons. Draymond's been banged up. Kayvon Looney can rebound, not much offense. Uh, they've got Green, uh, an, another player with some size. They're small. So Clay was hurt last year. Steph is hurt this year. Draymond's hurt now. MRI, we'll see how seriously. So I do feel like they're getting to a point like the old Bulls where if they could get to the finals this year, win or lose, I kind of feel like we've hit a road that you got to start moving off pieces. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to say, listen, we can get a lot. It's weird to say Clay and Steph wouldn't play together. So let's start with this premise. Do you believe when healthy, Steph will be back, Draymond's back. Do you believe they're a championship team as constituted this year? It's a good question. I wouldn't feel comfortable enough to put money on them, being able to uh, turn things around to win a championship. But, you know, philosophically, you don't bet against them, much like the same time last season. They didn't play a lot of games, Steph, uh, Draymond, and Clay together. That's right. It didn't matter as much because they had all that equity from all those finals runs. So it was plug and play. By the plus way, Mark, really good players. Per 100 possessions, their starting five is still best in the league. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that there is a scenario, a pathway for that to happen. Clay Thompson, 
He's had, I think, his highest scoring month of his career in January, third highest this month. So he is turning a corner post-Achilles injury. Steph Curry, he's going to be reevaluated Wednesday. He's been doing non-contact. Maybe he starts doing full contact to come back sometime next week. Jordan Poole's 20 a game now. Yeah, Jordan Poole's uh, growing. He... Uh, you know, I was talking to him last week about his process. He's been getting a lot more defensive attention because Steph Curry's now on the floor. He's improved a lot. Uh, so that's a work in progress as well as his defense. Steve Kerr was saying the other day when I asked him about his defense, hey, when he puts his mind to it, he can be really good defensively, but he sometimes loses focus. And so there's elements of him showing some growing pains, but again, there's a pathway of him playing really well once the other guys are on the floor. But there's also an unknown because – we don't know how these injuries will actually pan out. Gary Payton II, who they got back from Portland in the trade deadline, he's out for at least another month. Who knows what he'll be like post-injury. And this idea, they've already kind of conceded that the young guy timeline isn't going to quite work out as pan with the James Wiseman trade. But Kaminga's Jonathan Kaminga, I think he's, he's super, intriguing, but... This is the third year he's intriguing. He's twitchy yeah. and athletic. I never feel they trust him in key spots. Without a doubt. He has some highlight reels, That's fast it. forward, highlight blunders. So you never know what you're going to get. And when it comes to the playoffs, no doubt it's going to come down to those all-stars. But ideally, they want to give someone like Jonathan Kaminga uh, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the rotation so it's not just on the veteran guys. So I think... Things can change, obviously, from a contractual standpoint, how the team is, but there definitely is a feeling that even at the beginning of the season, not just because of the Draymond Green punch with Jordan Poole, but just the roster construction, the age, that maybe this is the last season with the core group. Coy Thompson even conceded as such yes. when I talked with him before the season, but uh, they also are very well aware that as long as they're with each other right now, anything can happen. And because of the fluidity of the NBA just moves at such a rapid-fire pace and circumstances change like a dime, that they're just going to adapt to those circumstances. And whether it's good, bad, or ugly, we'll wait and see. But they're trying to be prepared for all those scenarios. How optimistic are you on the KD, Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre, Ayton relationships? Um, I'm optimistic on the relationship. I'm optimistic on the chemistry. I think that they can coexist really well as a tandem. Great talent, great IQ. I think they're about winning but I think the questions are the durability. Can any of these guys stay healthy? It's a two-year window. It's a two-year window, and I think the Suns, they had to make that deal 10 times out of 10, even if you're giving up some really good pieces like a Mikhail Bridges. But it's not like they're the runaway favorites here. I would put them on paper as the favorite to win the title. But as you know, Colin, things on paper don't always play out in reality. So uh, assuming they're healthy, they're they're going to win the title, but there's a lot of question marks on how durable these guys can be because so far this season, Chris Paul started the season hurt, then Devin Booker. Kevin Durant, he still hasn't come back yet. He's expected to come back Wednesday, but how healthy can most notably Chris and Kevin stay healthy? And that's that's the great unknown, but I don't have any concerns whatsoever about their chemistry and their ability to coexist. All right, let's pivot to the East Celtics Knicks tonight. It's a really good regular season game. Um, let's start with Boston. I still, this is a weird feeling I always have. I don't trust them in the half court. Hmm. Um, they get stagnant. They become very Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum dependent. Like Milwaukee, for instance. I got Giannis. Now they have Crowder, Joe Ingles, Middleton, Drew Holiday. 
Brooke Lopez. I feel like seven guys can get a basket. Uh, I, I feel this team becomes, although Malcolm Brogdon's a nice fit, I, I just feel like it becomes very Brown-Tatum dependent on possessions in key spots. And they're both excellent players. Um, so I can like a team, but I, 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 first of all, I feel like Golden State's in their head. Remember when they played about a mm-hmm. month ago? I, I always feel Golden State's in their head. And I just think my gut feeling is uh, Milwaukee's got more basket makers in a close series with this team. Where are you on Boston? Yeah, um, it's very tough. I hear all of your things. I think that relatively speaking, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have shown greater chemistry. That starts from the beginning of the middle of last season. I talked with Marcus Smart about that earlier in the year, and he feels like they've done a really good job of knowing when each player should find their own versus passing the ball. And remember, Marcus last season, he was very adamant he wasn't calling them out, but he did mention, hey, like guys have to pass, i.e. Jalen and and Jason, right? (laughs) So I think that that's better. There is something to be said about the wisdom that you get after losing in the finals. I think that's played out. There is better health, most notably with Marcus Smart, Robert Williams III. Marcus... Specifically, when I talked to him last month or two, when I asked him about the what if about not being healthy in the finals, he didn't want to use that as an excuse, but he was honest in saying he wasn't 100%. You know, I know that you're high on Robert Williams III. He wasn't obviously 100%. So I do like them, but if I had to pick between them or Boston, I give the slight, or, or to Milwaukee, I do give the slight edge to Milwaukee because of what you said. They're deeper. Chris Middleton is back. Remember, they lost to Boston last season when Chris was hurt. And they've had to deal with that this season now they again. they Ingles and Crowder. Again, yeah. guys that get you a big bucket. They can get sh- hit shots. Yeah, and Crowder specifically. They got him with the idea of, hey, we need someone who can defend Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And Drew Holiday can do that. Uh, you know, the game yesterday against Phoenix, he had some flashbacks to 21, 2021 NBA Finals guarding Devin Booker. But they want to also relieve his uh, workload. And to his credit, when Chris Middleton was out, he really stepped up his game. So I would say, really, it's a toss-up, seven-game series, flip a coin. But if I had to put money on it, it's Milwaukee. Yeah. So, you know, the Knicks are interesting. So, and it makes me, so it's easy to say today, boy, the Mavs shouldn't have moved off Jalen Brunson. But it does point to something that's real, is that if you play with Luka, boy, you're just not going to get as many looks. Jalen Brunson was, to some degree, suppressed. He goes to New York. He's fantastic. And that's not a knock on Luka. It's like I always I believe he's a better version of James Harden. He's got the ball a lot. It's like when Westbrook played with KD. We all knew KD was great. He goes to Golden State. You're like, wow. Controls an entire series with LeBron and Steph in it. And so I look at Jalen Brunson. I think you can win multiple playoff series if Jalen's your one. I think Randall's better served as a two to a three. Um Tonight they'll play, I think it's in the garden, they'll play with incredible passion. Do you buy the Knicks? Because I I look at the East, and I know the two best teams, but Cleveland's probably too young. Philadelphia's weird. Don't trust hard in the postseason. Could the Knicks, are they capable of becoming that third team in the East? They are capable. I think their ceiling uh, is second round this season. But because, but that has more to do with Boston and Milwaukee, with just how much more experience they have, how much depth they have. 
Um, but I think that they are the real deal. And when you're looking at Jalen Brunson, keep in mind, look, there's a lot of hand-wringing about his departure and the circumstances yeah. from the Dallas to it doing enough to make sure that he wouldn't leave. What were the Knicks' involvement pre-free agency? The NBA didn't look down upon that too kindly. But there was a lot of talk of, hey, is he even worth a max contract? That's and right. the answer is an absolute <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, you hit on a great point that while I think that Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic I think they coexisted well. Yes. Um, but no doubt a player looks much different when you're expected to be the one as opposed to a second option. And Jalen has lived up to that billing. I thought he should have made the All-Star game. Yeah, most people thought he got yeah. he got jobbed. But you know what? Hey, Julius Randle's another great candidate. And I think that knowing how Julius's uh, career has panned out, I really love his passion. I really love his playmaking. There's been times where he would allow the frustrations to get the best of him, and that happened earlier in his career. That happened last year in New York, and you know the fans turned on him, but he has really been able to, to rectify and course correct, and I think that has to do a lot with that. As much as he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and sometimes that gets in his way, it's also a good thing because it shows that he cares. Yeah, and New York loves that. He's very competitive, and he knows how to – change his game and fine-tune it so it's not always bull in a china shop type feel when he's running up and down the court. Yeah, Nick, Knicks are an interesting team. I find, you know, sometimes big city teams aren't lovable. I find the Knicks have an underdog feel. I, I think, like, I don't think the Sixers are that likable. Harden, Embiid, like, they're stars. We've kind of been exhausted by expectations. Uh, Milwaukee, smaller market. Giannis is incredibly embraceable. I find the Knicks easy to root for. Yeah, and, and, and look, with any Tom Thibodeau's team is always going to be competitive. And I know, you know, lead into the, some of the Christmas Day games when they started making this dramatic turnaround. Now, I was talking to Jeff Van Gundy, who knows Tibbs well, and he really felt like one of the turning points was with him tightening the rotation. You know, he was playing so many guys, and a lot of times when you do that, you know, you're not able to get the most out of your core guys. So he didn't make any apologies of, hey, let's play heavy minutes to the guys that can actually contribute. And that's what was part of the reason why they've been able to dramatically turn things around. But again, to the greater question you have, can they, you know, be a contender in the East? I give that to Milwaukee and Boston. But if tomorrow, they're a team they have to, you have to take seriously. Cleveland Knicks play tomorrow. Who would you take in the series? <sighs> Now, That's I think Cleveland's tough. more gifted offensively. Yeah, and Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he could get 71 at any point, right? I take Cleveland because of Donovan Mitchell, but, you know, look, it's not That'd just That would be a him. great series. They have a great team, don't, no doubt about it, but I'm taking them because of Donovan Mitchell. But the Knicks could very well give them a run for their money because of just how hard they compete and how they have a really good, complete team. Yeah, I just, that would be a, would that be a great first-round series? Knicks-Cleveland. That would be the best. Am I wrong on that? That would be a great. You got, it would not be great for the Knicks. That's not a great matchup for them, Colin. Well, the Cavs are more offensively talented. They're incredible defensively. Allen protecting the rim with Mobley. I, I, no. I don't know, Mark. Who are the best three players in that series? Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, one. Donovan, well, Jalen. Jalen is and not. is Randall is Randall the third best player in the series? Well, it'll be no, Randall Garland. or Mobley or yeah, Mo or Garland. But Mobley's a kid. That's a yeah. great matchup. Mobley's a he, Mobley's good, but he's a kid. Yeah. It's the playoffs, but... Julius I mean, Randle, I trust more in a playoff series than Mobile. J.B. Bickerstaff has likened him to a young Anthony Davis and healthy, like as far as his potential. Yes. I get he's young, but he has all the skills. Where's Garland in that? He's good. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a yeah. tough matchup. Cleveland's for the got dudes. I think it, it would that series and whoever the Lakers match up with, because it would be a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed, presumably, that would be another fun playoff series. Mark Medina. This was fun. 15 minutes of just... Just went by. Flew by, I, the way I see it. Love it. it. Flew by. Uh, and congratulations, recently engaged. Love it, yeah. I'm very... A uh, lot of good news happened. Uh, yeah. Val and I are excited, and, you know, we're excited about the NBA, too. So. You're, you're growing fun up to, in fun front to of our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> good seeing you, buddy. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.